Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Maybe you're just waking up to the Interleague podcast for today's headline. The New York Yankees, worth $5 billion, let 42 minor league players go today. Spags, give wow. me your take. Wow. That's just, just unexpected low blow shots fired. Yeah. Right at the beginning, though, right? Because, like, <laughs> if a team's worth $5 billion, what I'm reading right here is that the baseball's most valued franchise let's go 42 people wow just not example setting today are we in the pinstripe yeah no um i don't know yeah, i'm just was not ready for that. i'm just gonna Quit say i'm not i'm not ready um to defend myself Thanks. um a quick google search uh is the opening headline was mlb clubs released hundreds of minor leaguer players uh with more cuts coming uh the Cardinals have released a handful, but agreed to continue $400 stipends through June uh, is the headline that I'm reading. I don't know right. how many players they cut, but the terminology they used is a handful. Regular transaction, like regular baseball transaction, you know, like you're going to you're going to cut guys anyway. You're not going to be able to keep them all like regular like but we would have probably both agree that 42 is a move to save money, right? Probably not. I mean, it's probably pretty accurate across the board. So, we got our Yankees news in today. Excited to get that in yeah, on. Got, and you, know. you got to figure. You got to figure under under normal circumstances, the amateur player draft to be coming up. It was supposed to be, I think, like June 10th and 11th. Um, and I think there's something like 50 rounds in that draft. So if they cut 42 players and then they're going to go redraft 50 more a week and a half from now under normal circumstances, so it's probably typical business mm. as usual mm. so it just Always. under normal circumstances these players probably would have been released over a extended period of time dating back to the beginning of the season all right good so, spin. good so, so that that would be my assumption however i don't think the draft's going to happen as is <laughs> so maybe not i think it's more part of manfred's you know efforts to reduce the number of minor league teams that exist in a franchise uh, which I don't think is a bad thing. So, I think the Yankees need to add you into their pay their PR staff. Uh yeah, I think yeah. they should just add me onto their yeah. staff, regardless, whatever they need me to do. I'm in. <laughs> Heard it here, folks. Will do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, after being blindsided by that, uh, welcome to the show. Where hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Chris takes cheap shots at my New York Yankees unexpectedly oh, yeah. i guess not unexpectedly i probably should have seen that coming he did bring it up hey. before we started recording so hey i do we do it for the likes you know yeah <laughs> did it for the gram i got a couple emails to my own personal email that really was like we should you know maybe bash a little bit more on the yankees we'd listen more <laughs> so, shut out. fair enough fair enough uh so this is our uh sixth episode uh june 1st we're recording uh monday evening i don't know when you'll be listen to this but hopefully tuesday that's the game plan um so i guess first and foremost we've kind of started getting into it a little bit just the current status update for the mlb um the most recent information we have so uh, everyone knows the first proposal that went out from the mlb that's kind of just like hey we're all going to be losing money sharing our losses um and so the MLB PA kind of came back with a counter proposal that was offered yesterday. Um, 
I believe that the reports are the MLB is counter-proposed again, but I don't know any details on that, so we're going to just act as if they haven't. Um, I don't know if that works for you, Chris. Um, but yeah. just kind of like the the quick hits on what the counter-proposal included. Um, I don't want to go into too much about what the MLB said. The The gist of it is just kind of like, hey, we're going to lose money, and we'll, we'll get to the... I've, I kind of made some points on where the the gap is in communication. Um, but basically the MLBPA came back with um, offering a 114 game regular season uh, that would start on June 30th and would end uh, October 31st. Um, so that's actually a, what is that? A 22 game increase from what the MLB initially offered. Um, the MLB proposed an 82 game schedule um, and the players are like, Hey, we'll, we'll do more than that. Um, which could potentially generate more revenue if they are able to open games to fans. Um, there would be an expanded playoff format. Uh, I didn't specify what that would entail, um, but it would be in fact uh, in effect for the 2020 season and 2021. Um, and the playoffs would likely last through the month of November in 2020, um, maybe December. Um, usually the playoffs run about one month. Um, I think that's what they took was like the entire month of October um, last year uh, with um, at least one series going almost the max amount of games. Um, so if they start early November, you'd probably be looking at like end of November, maybe like around Thanksgiving that the playoffs would wrap up, which would be kind of cool. Um, there would be a second advance payment on salaries, uh, which would total $100 million, which would be similar to what players received in March when the shutdown began. Um, that initial amount was $170 million uh, total. Um, and that's, uh, that's all that would be received if the season's canceled completely would just be that initial $170 million. Um, I'm not certain on the details of how that works. Like if it's like $100 million per team, or if it was 170 million per team, obviously it wouldn't be per player because not everyone makes 170, like no one makes 170 million dollars a year. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming if someone made 170 million dollars a year, and we're having this argument. Yeah. I, so I, so I'm assuming. Argument. So I'm assuming like the advance payment on salaries, it would be like per team, you know, or something along those lines. Um, but even then, like there's teams that don't spend 100 million dollars a year. Um, so I, I really don't know like what that entails. Um, I don't know like how that $100 million in advance salaries is, is delegated, um, you know, or, or anything along those lines. Um, but that's, that was one of the, the points that they offered. Um, there would be a $100 million total that's de uh, deferred in the event that the postseason would be canceled. Um, so that money would essentially come from player contracts worth more than $10 million before any sort of proration. And that $100 million would be paid out in two payments, one in November of 2021 and one in November of 2022. Um, players making less than $10 million a year wouldn't defer any payments. So think of like Garrett Cole, for example. Um, he was going to make $36 million this year. Um, so they would take a proration of that and defer those payments and future dates. So Cole would still get his money, but the, like he would still get the same amount of money, but the Yankees wouldn't have to pay that out right now. So they would be able to try to recoup some of the losses that they have. Um, who's the, is, who's is the player the Mets uh, paid a million dollars a year to, but that uh, started uh, Bobby Bonilla. 
Yeah, it's the yeah, Bobby yeah. Bonilla treatment. Yeah. Hey. yeah, deferred payments. Um, Solid contract Bobby, off of Bobby Bonilla still gets paid, though. <laughs> July 1st. July 1st, dollars. Bobby Bonilla Day. Yeah. Um, I think dollars. I think there's still, like, two more years left on that. I think it's, like, 2021 that uh, it finally stops getting played. Um, Solid contract. So one one of the things that I do think that I do really like about what the players offered, um, it is an opt out for players. So players can choose that if like they decide the risk is too high and they don't want to play, um, they can opt out to pl- to do that. Um, if a player is considered high risk uh, for COVID nineteen, so like they have pre existing medical issues or whatever the case may be. Um, they still receive their entire prorated salaries and they get credit for service time. Um, and that high risk qualification also extends to players who have spouses, children, or other living family members with pre-existing health conditions. So if them playing and exposing themselves puts them or someone close to them at risk, they can choose to just sit the season out. They still get their pay. They still get their service time. No, no qualms, nothing. Um, if a player is non-high risk, they still also have the ability to opt out. They'll still receive their service time, but they won't be paid for the time frame that they're not playing. It's like they would just choose to, to sit and play without compensation. Um, and then the players are also, they, they will have a willingness to consider, as uh, like in quotes, because that's how they worded it, uh, participation in revenue generator, uh, revenue generating events like the like an all-star game or home run derby something along those lines um and you could see those take place either during the off season or even during the postseason with just teams that aren't involved in the postseason or like somewhere in between like a break between like the lcs and the world series you might see something like that take place um so so i think that the the players are like hey we'll we'll make some efforts to to take part in some things to help you recoup revenue um so that way you don't have to take our pay to help cut your losses. I also think that a uh, home run derby and an all-star game. So you have the home run derby two nights before the world series starts at the, the home team's turf. Right. And then you have the all-star game the night before. And it's more of like a, a whole like weekend or three day event. Cause like just that event is already generating so much revenue uh, and people are already in town. Like, uh, I think that'd actually be a super cool yeah, idea. I, I also think that they might serve. So especially if it's a situation where you're probably not going to have attendance anyway, um, I think having neutral site playoffs would be something that is quite interesting. Like if it's just one month that they're, you know, quarantined and you have everyone playing in Tampa Bay or something along those lines um, or Arizona or whatever, um, just so that way you don't have to worry about like, what you're going to deal with in the November weathers if you're if the Yankees are hosting a game or like even here in St. Louis like the weather just gets colder think like if Minnesota makes it late and you're playing in an open air stadium in Minnesota like it just sounds like it's going to be miserable and you have to worry about snow outs um so if you just say like hey we're we're not going to play with fans so home field advantage really isn't going to matter we're going to play at this neutral site it's like it's not going to like it could be Chase Park if everyone wanted it to be but unless Arizona is involved in the playoffs. So I would think finding somewhere that's like a spring training facility or something along those lines um, that you're just like, Hey, this is, this is what it's going to be like just some nice complex that can put everyone up and they play in that area. And it just kind of becomes a thing 
um, I think that that could be pretty cool. How would you feel in general if the if the World Series just moved to like a select city, uh, like kind of like what they the, do for the like, Super Bowl? Yeah, kind of like they do for the NFL. And so, like, because the Cardinals are the same way. Like, when we make it to the playoffs or the World Series, like, it's cold here. It could be snowing or it could be like eighty degrees. Right. So yeah. I definitely so. Baseball is really the only sport that home field advantage is different than any other sport. So if you think about it, like, I I guess it's there a little bit for football because you do have the difference of, like, if you're playing a playoff game in, like, the frigid cold of New England and you're it's, like, New England versus Miami um, and they aren't used to playing that kind of temperature, like, you're, you're going to be in an advantage of, like, you're just used to that temperament. So it does exist a little bit in that regard, but it's always 100 yards end zone to end zone. It's always what I think it's like 55 yards from sideline to sideline. Um, hockey rinks are always the same dimensions. Um, maybe maybe like you you get some of the small dynamics. Like I know if I aim for this logo on this board, this is the type of bounce I'm going to get off this puck and you have the ability to kind of line that up. And obviously not all advertisements are the same on all boards, but in baseball, like it's completely different. Like, yep. It's always 90 feet to first base. It's always 60 feet, six inches from the pitcher's mound to home plate. But you know, it's three, you know, three fourteen down the line out to right field in Yankee stadium. Um, whereas you have like the pesky pole in Boston, uh, here in St. Louis, you know, like new Bush is one of the most even, fields that it's like your traditional like the gap like into the alleys are kind of the same distance down the lines are kind of the same distance the walls kind of a normal height all the way around um so you just have like those intricacies that play a part um not every left fielder can play a ball off the green monster as well as the left fielder in boston because they play 81 games with it there um so like so home field advantage means more in baseball than i think it does other sports um so i would personally prefer to see it played in a home stadium but this year calls for exceptions, so I would I would be okay with having a neutral site postseason or even just the World Series uh, in this regard, uh, mainly because I think you're going to be dealing with some shitty weather, um, especially if you're if you're at a point where fans are able to attend games at that point. I think you're going to draw a bigger crowd um, if you're in a warm weather stadium than if you're in New York, like. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure it'll still sell out and people will be there. Uh, it'll just be a little bit more miserable than what it should be. Yeah. Um, but, so with that, I, there's still some things that they need to work out for sure. Um, like I said, I kind of got into it a little bit. Um, the sticking points between uh, what the MLB initially offered and where the PA is at. Um it just kind of seems to be this continued desire for owners to kind of share the losses, um, which don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it's estimated to be about $4 billion if the regular season's played without fans in the stands, um, which I think that that's probably pretty reasonable that whatever they come up with, it's likely going to be no fans or next to no fans. Um, on the flip side of that, I understand players not wanting to take any further pay cuts than what was ne negotiated initially. I get that there was like that good faith situation, um, but I mean, like even like in our personal realm, like we work for a company that you know, just like most other companies, they've needed to do pay cuts, they've needed to furlough people, stuff like that. 
they let us know what was going on initially. Of course, we don't really have a union, so we're not able to negotiate that. But if they came back with like, hey, now we're getting rid of more people and we're cutting your pay again, I it would probably rub me the wrong way as well. Like there was an expectation that like you said that this is what needed to happen and this is all it was going to need to take place. You know, so why is this happening? So right. I'm I don't not going to agree so easy anymore, you know? Yeah, it's like I don't I don't blame the players for wanting to say like, hey, we we've already agreed to take prorations. Like if we only play half the season, just pay us 50 percent of our salary. You know, like don't pay us for the games we aren't playing. We get it. Cool. Um, so that that's kind of what was initially agreed upon was prorated payment for the length of the season. So half the season would mean 50 percent pay cuts. Uh, service time would also be prorated. So if no season, then players would receive the same service time they got in 2019. Um, and then if there is a season, then it would just be for the time frame that was there. Um, that's probably most relevant in the terms of stuff like free agency. Uh, it's like Mookie Betts is always the go-to example that I use because I think it's probably the most prevalent. Um, so right now he's slated to be a free agent after the 2020 season, assuming that this would be his sixth year of uh, service time. He got a full year of service time in 2019. So if there is no season, Mookie Betts would get his sixth year and would hit free agency, and he would have never played a game for the Dodgers. If there's only half a season, then Mookie Betts would not become a free agent until after the 2021 season, and the Dodgers would technically have gotten him for a year and a half. So the owners want there to be a season, regardless of what takes place. And in players, like they would probably rather there not be a season in that regard, is that it would be more beneficial because they would hit free agency still the same time frame, when really they're giving up an entire extra year because they only do whether or not you hit free agency after the end of a season. So you hit your sixth year in the middle of a season, you got to wait till the end of the season. So you'll actually be at six and a half years. Um, so, and that's kind of where like you see some of the arguments, like the Chris Bryant stuff where the Cubs didn't want to call him up until like May 1st or whatever. Uh, so that way they got another year of eligibility out of him because he wasn't going to quite get a year. Uh, so he wouldn't hit his free agency at the end of a year. It would be like a full another year that they stole from him by yeah. waiting one month to bring him up. So that's some of the shenanigans that owners do. And I, I can understand admittedly why the, the players would have an issue with that. Honestly, I think if teams just do that, like what they did to Chris Bryant, like they either like you live and die with your decisions. Right. So if you think Chris Bryant helps you win games and at the end of the year, you didn't win enough games. Well, shame on you for not bringing him up. If you still made it to where you needed to be without bringing him up, then I mean, from a business standpoint, I think you did the correct thing. Um, your team was no didn't hinder itself by not bringing him up early but you'll never know that till the end of the year uh do you want me to give you a jeff passens uh tweet from 4 11 p.m today on what he's hearing from major league baseball yeah all right so he says with that live update heard it here live, not first yeah not first uh not sponsored by jeff passen uh, major league baseball intends to propose a shorter season in which they would play which they would pay players a full prorated share of their salaries. Sources told ESPN, the league believes the late March agreement allows it to set the schedule and that this would fulfill players pro uh, prorated desires. And then this, the article goes on to say that it sounds like the initial offering of games, whereas uh, the MLBPA said 114 that uh, major league baseball will probably come in at 50 to 60 games. 
and then over the next course of the next couple of days they'll negotiate uh the games played and that mlb is pretty much going to give in to the prorated portion of it for just whatever the player the players play that's what they'll get paid for um so it seems like a pretty big step in next week talking about maybe uh a more finalized game plan of baseball yeah like um i know i said i was going to bring it up if we had time at the end but it feels like a good spot to throw it in because it kind of talks through some of these things that we're talking about um so there is an article on espn about uh from bradford doolittle is who wrote it um it's like nine factors into some of the challenges that the mlb faces in starting up the season and getting back to playing um some of the challenges that they face in comparison to the nhl and nba uh it's quite a bit of a read if we if we have time we'll definitely get into it on this episode um but if we don't get a chance to cover it i would recommend going and checking it out uh it's got some interesting stuff um the reason why i bring it up is one of the things that doolittle goes on to talk about is the one of the difficulties is the timing of the expiration on the collective bargaining agreement for the mlb which was set to be after the 2021 season and there was already some strenuous talks about what they wanted to go with so i think that one of the concerns that both parties in this will have is that if they start to give now that they'll they'll get steamrolled into the next negotiations and or they they won't be able to get all that they want so no team like no sides really willing to bend as much as what you would think would normally be because they're worried that it's going to hurt their case when it comes to renegotiating the cba after next season uh which i think is reasonable um but there's some, I think some big ticket items that I think the players will want uh, to kind of fend off some of the trends that have existed in baseball recently. I think it's a good uh, call out, too, because I've been seeing a lot more of like if baseball doesn't get started and the NFL has a plan to get started and hockey games are being played in July and baseball still in this like this argument about how they're going to play, how they're going to pay people. Like, will people look at that and be like, all these other sports figured it out. Why can't you figure it out? Like, you know, maybe I just won't even watch baseball. Yeah. Um, I mean, I this year, maybe it'll take me a while to come back or whatever, but all these other sports don't have another, you know, union contract coming up. Right. Uh, I and mean, they, 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 they do. They're it just further out. Like I think, yeah, it's, uh, it's I think the right NBA, yeah, I think the NBA is after like the 2023, 2024 season. Um, I think hockey's after the 2021, 2022. Um, but even before the pandemic started, it's like the beginning of this hockey season. Um, so like fall 2019, um, I think that th- there was already discussion that both sides are kind of at a stance that they may just agree to extend the current CBA and not really change much. Um, like the the salary caps that exist in those sports are generated a big portion uh based off of revenue so the more money that the league makes the more money can be paid to players um and baseball doesn't have that in the competitive luxury tax um it's not supposed to serve as a salary cap but teams treat it as such um and then owners manipulating service time to avoid free agency players are basically you know at the will of performance for their first six seasons so the first three years they just get league minimum years four five and six they get arbitration eligibility where they can state their case to make more money um and then they really go into free agency um and then teams are opting to not pay big name free agents or older free agents in lieu of younger talent um uh 
one of the guys that we'll get into tonight, actually, uh, Marcelo Zuna, I think, was a huge victim of that, um, that he was making, you know, a few million dollars after having a couple big years in arbitration, and then he signed the one-year deal for $18 million with Atlanta. But again, it's only a one-year deal. So if he were to struggle, who knows what he's going to end up getting. Um, and he, there really wasn't a spot for him here in St. Louis to resign because of the young plethora of outfielders that the Cardinals have for days that are all team controlled. Like, why are we going to pay? Like, why, as the Cardinals, why would they decide to pay Marcelo Zuna $18 million for one year when they could get playing time for uh, Lane Thomas making 550 k You know, like, okay, we're going to save $17 million, you know, for this year, and we can see what this young kid can do who's potentially the future of our outfield anyway. Um, so like Ozuna was just kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, and teams are taking advantage of that. So they don't want to pay kid, they don't want to pay kids in their like in their prime early for what they think they're going to do, and then they don't want to pay the older veterans. So players just kind of miss out on both ends, and unless you get into that one free agency and you sign that mega deal, and that doesn't happen all that often, the players just are left wanting more, uh, and teams are like, well, we don't want to pay that luxury tax penalty so we aren't going to pay a whole bunch of people um and there's no minimum payment so you end up with teams like the pirates that like are barely paying their team more than like what garrett cole makes a year uh so those are the things i think that need to be ironed out in the cba and part of that starts with players being willing to work on reducted salaries um and i could imagine that part of them feels if they make the decision to play for a larger pay cut to help recoup losses that it'll hurt them in their case for the CBA negotiations at the end of next year. You said we're going to talk about Marcel. I just singled Azuna later. Yeah, Yeah, we will. Uh, Before we get into that though, um, we have been talking about what's, what's been going on around the league. Um, so our quick little snippet on where things would be if baseball were just going on. Um, so we're now at like right around the 60 game mark for most teams in terms of postponed games uh, as we enter the month of June. Um, normally this month would mark, as I said earlier, talks surrounding the player draft. Uh, it's admittedly a much smaller deal than most other sports due to the limited nature of impact from high round draft picks. Uh, so you think like, I know you're kind of a football guy, uh, first round draft pick in the NFL. Uh, they're probably going to be starting for your team the following season. I mean, they better um, the, be starting. That's why you picked them. The yeah, first the, the NBA draft is only two rounds long. Um, so if you get drafted in the NBA, that's a pretty big deal. Only 60 players are taken to the NBA every year. Um, I honestly think, like, I, I would have to look it up for sure, but I think, like, the amateur draft for the MLB is, like, 50 rounds. So the NBA drafts 60 new players every year. MLB teams draft 50 new players every year. And <laughs> so it's a team and a half or almost two teams. That's why that's why basketball has got money flying out the wazoo because they made $8 billion last year and have very little overhead to be paying people. Yeah, and, and they have one. They have just the billion. G League or whatever, yeah. the, or the D League or whatever it's called yeah. nowadays. And they yeah. pay the G League players like pretty good. Like you're yeah. getting a couple hundred thousand dollars to play. Yeah, if you're if you're a minor league baseball player, you're not making shit. Yeah, you're, you're making like thirty five, forty k a year. Old subway. Yeah, hoping like, someone, hoping your roommate has a car. You know? Yeah, like you're, yeah, you're you're maybe you know delivering for Uber Eats after you're, after your <laughs> night game. 
you're hoping someone like not hoping, but you're hoping someone, you know, might have to come throw some rehab and, you know, triple A, double A or something. Yeah. And they like buy you lunch when you're there. Yeah. So um, and then on top of that, like most organizations have like seven farm systems and majority of mi- minor league players don't even sniff the major leagues. Um, I, I think it would be a shame to see some of that go away. But personally, I think it's just more convoluted than what it needs to be. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing minor league affiliates be limited to a double a triple a baseball. Um, I think having three teams to kind of move guys up and along is well enough. Um, makes sense to me. Um, the crappy part is a lot of these small towns that host, you know, high a ball or rookie ball and stuff like that the income that comes from these players and these teams being there, they may not be able to sustain on their own. Um, and I think that that's another big reason why baseball just kind of needs to get back to it uh, sooner than later. Uh, the MLB will likely be fine, but you know, like double like, A for the Cardinals in Springfield, Missouri, if there's no minor league season at all this year, there's not a whole lot they're going to be able to do to recoup a year of no revenue. Um, so it's going to be hard times on that organization unless, like, the big boys in St. Louis bail that team out. Yeah, and dude, daddy's, daddy's got to open up the page, the, you yeah, know, but, checkbook. But I can't see them being quick to do it if they're losing $4 billion as a league at the major league level alone. Um, so it's 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 pretty crazy. Um, we can all only hope that our team takes the moral high road in this situation. Yeah, like, it's like, I mean, I... I would like to think that money isn't the bottom line, but it's a business just like anything else. So unfortunately it's going to drive the bottom dollar. It's a um, business. Yep. So, uh, to start out June, um, Cardinals would have been opening a two game interleague matchup, uh, at home with the blue Jays, um, before hit, hit, hit me with the record, hit me with the record. What are, uh, I think you would be saying that the Cardinals were like 59 and oh, at this point or oh, something like that. 59 and oh, just undefeated. Yeah. Dude, um, Tommy, if you go look up Tommy Edmonds stats on baseball, baseball reference, he's hitting like a 323, couple home runs, RBIs, like Tommy Edmonds killing it. All the rest of them are killing it. We don't need to look the rest of them up, but Tommy Edmonds 100% killed. So, yeah. So, um, so open up the interleague matchup, uh, beating up on the Blue Jays for my Yankees, uh, helping, you know, extend the, ser- the division lead there. Um, and then um, off day on what I think it was like Wednesday and then uh, heading out to Pittsburgh for a four game series over the weekend with the pirates. Uh, the Yankees would have been wrapping up a six game road trip out West with a three game series in Seattle. Um, then they would have had an off day and then coming home to face the Rays over the weekend for a three game set. Um, so a little bit of uh West coast, East coast matchups, uh, Cardinals getting that uh, Toronto taste here in town. Um, and then wrapping up with some division matchups over the weekend. Uh, it's what we would have had to look forward to, but alas, no baseball as of yet, and no date set on the horizon. Uh, but fear not, the Blues won the Central, and we got hey. playoff hockey on the horizon. If Harrison Bader bats a 283 in real life, dude, we're going to love him here in St. Louis. You know what I'm saying? True. True. Dude. Dude, this simulation powered by outside the park baseball, we're liking these numbers. We're, we're just it. flying through people right now, dude. Paul Goldschmidt killing it. Harrison Bader killing it. Are Let's they? See how Bro Neil's doing. Are they like? 
are they simulating through like the actual season, like day by day, what would happen in this simulation? I, or I guess if you go to Baseball Reference and just does it search have, the player, does I'll say does it have records for the team? Uh, it says simulation powered by Outside the Park Baseball Twenty One. Here it says read more about the project. I'll say I guess uh, we can we can prepare for that maybe if they're yeah. if that simulation's going on we can actually use that as a yeah. as where they say our teams would be and what's going yeah. on we can we can make it so, a whole thing. Baseball Reference is simulating the whole 2020 season with Out of the Park Baseball 21. Nice. So, uh, which we'll Out of the Park out. Baseball not not sponsored by Out of the not Park sponsored. Baseball 21, but but that actually ties us into what the point of this episode is with our all wild card teams. So just kind of a quick recap of what we're doing here with this all wild card era team. Um, so we deemed the wild card era from 1995 through current season. So 2019 um, for the Cardinals and the Yankees, uh, we're giving our take on putting together the best players at each position uh, for the Cardinals and Yankees. So both of us are creating a team for each franchise um, during our time frame as kind of avid baseball fans. So both of us kind of got into it around the same time that mid to late nineties. Um, so we use 1995 as a cutoff. Um, the only limitations are that a player must have played 150 games at that position or be in the top five of game played, uh, of games played at that position for the team uh, during the time frame. Uh, players can only be chosen for one position, even if eligible for multiple uh, that will come in because we've had kind of had some cross reference uh, right now with outfield positions. Um, so tonight we'll be covering left field. Um, quick recap on where we're at. So we started with right field and then center field tonight, left field, and then we'll be moving into the infield. Um, so, so far, uh, Chris for the Cardinals has J.D. Drew in right field and Jim Edmonds in center field. And then Aaron Judge in right for the Yankees and Bernie Williams in center field for the Yankees. Um, I also have Edmonds and Williams in center field for our teams collectively. Um, but I have Carlos Beltran in right field for the Cardinals and Paul O'Neill in right field for the Yankees. Man, you're going to have Marcelo Zuna and Carlos Beltran in your field, dude. <laughs> I can't wait to simulate this game. I'm buying, I'm buying it right now. Hey, man, that's fine. Just, hey, baseline. don't. Don't judge my my picks yeah. until you hear. I did some awesome research and I have some I have some hot takes, dude. Um, so with Babe, left fielders, I got a forty dollar business expense I'm spending right now. Appreciate it. So uh, thirty dollar business. It's all good. Um, so oh, it's on I, sale, I've been twenty five percent. So with with each position that we get to, I uh, I've kind of done a quick little blurb about how I feel about the position, kind of talk about it a little bit. Uh, so continuing suit, I put together a little something for left fielders. Um, so left fielders don't typically fit a mold the way some positions in baseball do, uh, but they do have a few tendencies that are often followed. Um, left fielders are typically the worst from a defensive standpoint in the outfield. Um, and as such, they're usually more known for their bat. So you'll take a guy with a, a decent bat and just kind of stash them out in left field. Um, if they have a great arm, they're probably going to be in right, as throws will far more often go into third than go into first. So a better arm, you'll have the further distance. Um, if you can cover a ton of ground, so you got some decent speed or good reaction time, you'll likely end up in center field. So left fielders tend to be power bats that don't have as much on the defensive side. Um, however, with everything in baseball, there's often exceptions, and some of the game's greats also called left field home. Um, like most Cardinals fans will say, Stan Musial um, or Ted Williams, uh, two of the greater players ever to play, both played left field. 
Um, then there's guys that truly fit the mold of like what I described, like being stashed for their offense um, and Barry Bonds later in his career. And then the epitome of this, Manny Ramirez. Um, today's game, though, I think it's kind of shifting once again. And you're starting to see players in left that are a little more capable defensively. Um, what kind of came to mind for me was a representation of last year's World Series and Michael Brantley in Houston and Juan Soto in Washington. Um, both are a huge presence at the plate and both made some pretty dynamic plays throughout the postseason out and left as well. Um, so with that being said, we will be rounding out our outfield in this edition of the episode tonight uh, as we add our left fielders to to our teams. Um, I think as is tradition, we kind of start with just reading through the eligible players. And again, um, because there were more than five players, it was any player that had played 150 games at left field for the teams between 95 and 2019. Um, so for the Cardinals, it was Matt Holliday, uh, Ray Lankford. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, I for some reason overlooked him and didn't have him on the list uh, for center fielders for whatever reason, because I'm an idiot. Because um, you picked Jim Edmonds. <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, so Matt Holliday, Ray Lankford, Ron Gant, Marcelo Zuna, Albert Pujols, Chris Duncan, Sotoguchi, and Skip Schumacher. Uh, there's a list available to us for the Cardinals. And on the Yankee side, uh, Brett Gardner, Hideki Matsui, Johnny Damon, Chad Curtis, Melky Cabrera, Shane Spencer, Tim Raines, Gerald Williams, and Ricky Lede. Um, tons of options for the Yankees because left field's been a revolving door for the most part. Um, but yeah, so uh, I forget who went first last time, but I can get into it if you if you want. Um, yeah, 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 let's go. I feel like this will make sense because next week we'll be going into shortstop, and I'll have quite a bit to say about the Yankee shortstop. So, right, so I can go second. Part A, <laughs> Part B, one week Yankees, the other week Cardinals. Yeah, and I could talk about a particular shortstop from the New York Yankees for a long time. Um, so there's really no rhyme or reason behind this, um, as terms of like how we break it down. Uh, as long as we come to a decision, it's our own, and we own it. Um, so my theory is I kind of take at a, at first glance at the list of names, I decide that I'm going to dig in to four of those players. Um, and then I kind of break down looking at them statistically a little bit about their time with their franchises, um, and then make my decision from there. Uh, so with that said, uh, let's get into with the Yankees first for me. Um, so we'll do my Yankees oh. and Chris's Yankees and then my Cardinals, Chris's Cardinals. All right, um, all right, all right. So switch it up a little bit. I don't think we've gone back and forth before. Uh, so so the initial the initial picks that I had, um, I cut it to Brett Gardner, Hideki Matsui, Chad Curtis, and Melky Cabrera. Um, those are for the top five. Um, I skipped over Johnny Damon, um, who was Obvious. third in most games. Obvious reason. I hate Johnny Damon. Um, I talked about it as a center fielder too, um, and I almost cut Melky Cabrera off this list. Um, because I'm not a huge fan of him either, but I was like, ah, I want to stick with the four that I've been going with. So I'll, I'll go with that. It's kind of the same reason why Chad Curtis made the list as well. Um, so again, like I, I won't spend too much time with Gardner. Um, I talked about him a little bit last year, but basically he's the longest tenured Yankee currently, uh, 12 seasons. He's played 1500 games with them. Um, not really anything overly impressive. Um, offensively, he's like, a 
260 hitter with the Yankees. Um, he's had 125 home runs, 500 plus RBIs. I mean, decent numbers, but when you look at it over the grand scheme of 12 seasons, it's not anything really to write home about. It's like 10 home runs, 60 RBI type years. Um, he's stolen a decent amount of bases, uh, about 20 a year. Uh, he has the one World Series ring uh, in 2009, which actually three of the four players I picked have the ring in 2009, um, if that lets you know like how quickly people turn around in this. Uh, he was a one-time All-Star, won one gold glove. Um, I kind of put him on here just more for like his versatility on the field and in the lineup. Uh, he split a lot of time between left and center, uh, but he's primarily been a left fielder. Um, of those 1,500 games, I think it's like, a little under a thousand in left field and like 550 in our in center. Um, hence him getting the reconsideration here. Um, the two that were kind of oddballs. So the decisions really between Gardner and Matsui. Um, I threw Cabrera on there just to kind of see where he was and how he matched up. Um, he reminds me a lot of John Jay when we talked about him. Um, how he probably has the numbers to be a starter somewhere. He's just kind of an asshole on the field, and I think that that's been a big downfall for him. Um, he was just constantly a fourth outfielder in New York what? and never really Who found uh, Melky Cabrera. Melky, okay. Yeah, so I mean, like, five years with New York, uh, he's like a 270 hitter, um, couple home runs, not really a ton of RBIs, like nothing too overwhelming. Um, but he was just kind of like that odd man out. Like they never really found a place for him. There was always the next up and coming thing or the Yankees were trying to buy a ring, you know, back then, uh, after falling apart and the dynasty ended in 2001, uh, which finally worked in 2009. And then he left for, you know, in free agency following that year. Um, uh, actually I think he, they traded him like before he was going to go into free agency or whatever. Um, like they weren't going to come to a deal with him and he was going to walk anyway. So they trade him to Atlanta for like a handful of pitching prospects. Um, Chad Curtis, I threw on there just cause I wanted to look into what his numbers were. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you honestly don't know who he is or if you've never heard the name. Um, he only played in New York for like two and a half seasons. Uh, he came in like late 97, and then he was there in 98, 99. So he won, uh, you know, two rings in his three years there. Um, he, Chad, Chad Curtis, like, oh, yeah, I'll get traded to the Yankees. Yeah. All right. He, fuck it, I guess I'll go. He, his numbers were meh. Like, he's like a 250 hitter. I think he only hit like 15 home runs in the two and a half, like, two plus years he was there. Um, really, his claim to fame is just being on the, the he's the left fielder for the dynasty teams that won in 98, 99. And then again in 2000, but he was gone by then. Um, that, that was, that was really it. Uh, he had a big performance in the 99 world series game three. Uh, he hit two home runs off Atlanta, including one walk off. And I think we swept that year. Um, he was pretty openly vocal about criticizing some key players, uh, predominantly Derek Jeter. Like he said it on Jeter a couple times, um, for the way he went about playing the game. Like, uh, what's, what I remember most is like Jeter, I want to say it's like maybe like 99. I think A-Rod was still in Seattle. Um, and Jeter and A-Rod were like joking around on the field, like after a little scrum happened and Chad Kirsch just sat in on Jeter about like that, not being the right way to play the game. Um, and basically like the more comfortable he got, the more vocal he got in criticizing his team and just became worse teammate, and they got rid of him. Um, so needless to say, Cabrera and Curtis were easy to remove right away. 
Um, so I was like, all right, like I probably sold on Brett Gardner. Let me just look at Matsui, you know, the man known as Godzilla. And let's see what he did. Um, he was in New York for seven years before he left. I think he went to LA and then Oakland, something like that after he left, uh, New York, uh, obviously came over from the MVP. Um, but in his seven seasons, he played a little over 900 games. He hit 292 as a Yankee, which I think is insane. Uh, 140 home runs, 600 RBIs, two-time All-Star, and then won the ring in 2009, in which he was also the World Series MVP. Um, do you want to take a guess at what his batting average was in the World Series in 2009? And do I happen to know his batting average <laughs> in the World Series in 2009? We talk about what Poppy did to the Cardinals, and Matt Suey absolutely destroyed the Phillies. He batted 615 with three home runs and eight RBIs. Now, mind you, that series he, went six games, and he only played in three of them because he, he only didn't play one of the stadiums. Yeah, so he didn't play in the three games in Philadelphia. He batted 615. It was like eight for 13, three home runs, eight RBIs. He drove in six RBIs in the decisive game six, which ties single game World Series record. But seven seasons compared to Gardner's 12. Gardner hit 125 home runs. Matsui hit 140. Gardner has 550 RBIs. Matsui had 600. And the dude raked. I think he was like a 312 hitter in his nine seasons when he played in the MVP before he came to the MLB. So, like, he, like if he would have been here in his prime, dude, like, his numbers would be insane. Like, the dude just hit. Like, he just raked. That's all he did. Um, but the, those numbers, like, with what he did – um, and just not even being like an everyday player sometimes, like DH and he would be out in the outfield. You just kind of get it done, go about playing the right way, just always kind of that crafty veteran. Uh, but I could not pass it up. So Hideki Matsui, Godzilla, my starting left fielder for the New York Yankees. Nice, 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 nice. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't feel like I was super surprised by that pick. Um, I definitely had to – I didn't break it down into four players of the Yankees, but I did do I did do two players, and probably I didn't do more players because – so uh, you are you were talking about Brett Gardner and how he's like, you know, not – you know, he's just – he was there, he plays some positions, he stole a bunch of bases, and he's just played for the Yankees forever. Yeah. And I guess what I found really interesting what, reading about Brett Gardner is like, how does a guy like Brett Gardner like really stick around with the Yankees for as long as he has? Because uh, they've had some really good players. Now the contracts have been pretty reasonable mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But so it's kind of reading this like timeline of his career there. And a lot of the times it seems to be like right place, right time for like Brett Gardner. And like he could he could fill a position. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna quick hit you uh, with Brett Gardner facts. Okay. What you um, got? So he was called up in July t- uh, 2008. He made his debut July 1st. He went 0 for 3 with a stolen base. Uh, he finally got his hit in RBI the next day. Um, in his first chance of luck, um, he uh, in the 2008 season, he happens to score the last run ever at Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. because he was pitch running for Jason Giambi. All right, so yeah, pretty pretty cool deal. You're the last guy to ever score a run there uh, against like, the Baltimore right, against the Baltimore right. Orioles that day, right. started by Mike Messina. Right. 
Hey, right place, right time, you know? Yeah. All right. I so, have a picture from that game on my wall right now. Oh, nice. In 2009, he was named the starting center fielder, and he only played he ended up playing only 108 games. In 2010, he was the starting left fielder, but that's because Johnny Damon left. So, hey, good on you. You're there to take him. He ends up stealing 47 bags that year, and he wins the Fielding Bible Award, uh, which is the best uh, defensive left fielder. 2011 they're like oh this guy's look how good he is he's stealing bases like he's obviously a leadoff hitter fastest man in baseball at the time yeah Yeah, they they move him to the leadoff spot and then they're like maybe that's a bad idea and they move him to the bottom of the order Mm -hmm. but hey right place right time you got your boy brett gardner jeter gets hurt so now gardner's splitting leadoff time with nick swisher again and he ends up stealing 49 stolen bases wins another fielding bible award uh, and he was tied for Coco Chris uh, with those 49 bases. So, so far, like, I'm reading into him, and I'm like, all right, so he steals bags. That's good. Like, I didn't watch an era of Cardinals baseball that, like, stolen bases were um, valued very much. We just – I don't feel like we ran the you, bases very well. Right. You you missed uh, the Whitey Ball era. Yeah, I missed Whitey Ball era. I, you know, was pretty much in La Russa era, and we – if you were on first base, you were on first base. You were uh, every everyone was in scoring position at home plate. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, so, and then in 2012, he uh, breaks arbitration, gets 2.8 million dollars, and he ends up missing almost the entire season, uh, but plays the last 16 games. Oh, here he is in 2013, healthy, and Curtis Granderson's hurt. Right place, right time. Your boy Brett Gardner is playing center field. Yeah. Uh, that leads him to 2014, where he gets four years, $52 million. That's where I was like, okay, would I have paid the guy? I mean, probably $52 million. Like, not horrible. Like, he's stealing bags again. He's uh, winning field viable awards out in the outfield. Like, he's catching the ball. Um, and then also in 2014, hey, right place, right time. Um, he hit the Yankees' 15,000 home run ever in 2014 nice. so he's got the he's got the last run scored at yankee stadium and the 15,000 home run ever in 25 and 2015 he makes the all-star final vote but then gets removed because alex gordon gets injured and he get, just gets the nod to go to the all-star game so here we are again hey right place yep. right time it feels his, like his Brett long, Gardner, his you're moving into the all-star game yep yeah. yep um and that same year, uh, let's see, what did I say? Uh, oh, he would end up finishing that year after that. He hit 206 that last half of the year. Yeah. Um, and also in 2015, uh, he also apparently got booed by uh, the Yankees faithful in a playoff game. Probably. Uh, so my, my question to you was, do you think you booed him? Um, I'm not much of a booing hometown guys. I don't care how bad they're playing. Yeah, um, I agree. I've watched many of guys struggle in the New York limelight uh, that were making way more than that. <clears throat> Alex Rodriguez, um, yeah. <laughs> John Carlos Stanton. Um, so, so we'll see. I mean, I also watched Aaron Judge as a young kid set a record for most strikeouts in a playoff series. Um, so, I mean, it just sometimes struggles happen, and you just got to kind of support them through. Uh, so, I've never been the I'm gonna boo guy. I've never really been the I'm gonna boo people of the opposing team either. I, I can't think, I, I don't think I've ever found a time like I've booed Manny Ramirez or David Ortiz or Dustin Pedroia. 
Uh, maybe the closest I've come to is Josh Beckett, because I really dislike that guy because of 03 and 04. Uh, with yeah. two different teams, he ruined my my baseball career, <laughs> my my baseball season. Um, and he's just a douche. So yeah, f, f uh, that guy. Uh, I've so maybe probably boo Josh only, Beckett, but I've probably only booed probably hockey players, and then Brandon Phillips. But the Brandon Phillips, like, it just becomes a thing to boo Brandon Phillips at Bush Stadium. And, like, he even, like, nods his cap these days to it. It's like, uh, it, it was definitely a bad thing, but it's it's taken on its own, like, life of booing Brandon Phillips when he comes yeah, I to. Think, uh, yeah, I think the only player I've probably ever really, like, physically booed when they're there is Kane. <laughs> yeah. So, that's, that's, probably, that's probably it. Uh, you know with the blackhawks that's probably it. and so and then with brett gardner we'll just skip to 2018 where he was not a set to appear set to appear in that many games uh and then he plays 140 games because injuries to jacoby ellsbury clint frazier and aaron judge uh throughout the year he ends up playing 140 games yeah. so my roundup of brett gardner was while he's played so many games for the yankees how do you possibly play that many games for the yankees and then I, Right the time, right is, place. The answer is right. the Yankees are never healthy. Right. See, right. right 2019. Right time, right place is what I accounted to, all right? But yeah. Brett Gardner was not my choice. Your boy also went with Adeki Matsui. Kind of hard to pass up. Yeah. In his first six years as a Yankee, he hit 287, 298, 305, 302, 285, 294. Like, you got to be kidding me. Um, yeah, you said he, that. You went through his stats as the DH. Did you know he was also only the third player in Major League history to bat 500 above and hit three home runs in the same World Series? Uh, and only Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig have ever done that? Those were some pretty good guys. Who did they play yeah. for? I don't know. <laughs> but so really the numbers just broke down. Like you just could not not play that guy. And like he had such a, such a successful career. In Japan, he was like one of the only players that won a Japan like World Series and and at, like a World Series over here. Yeah, he um, he passed up like the highest contract ever offered, in like before he came over to New York. And do you um, know what that is though? Like, what is the highest contract ever uh, at that time? Do you know? I want to say I think like I I want to say I think like the total value was like sixty four million something. Uh but I, I don't know. I don't remember what it was. I had read it when I looked at it earlier, but the the number didn't really like wasn't really the part that stood out. It was you know like he had a he had an opportunity to enshrine himself in Japan's baseball lore, um, and he opted to come to the MLB. And then so a I imagine that moving halfway across the world to continue to practice your craft is tough in general. Um, I applaud people that move halfway across our country to do things. Um, I think I would struggle with even that. So to find yourself in a, you know, in a new world, essentially, uh, no one really probably spoke the language that he did. I don't know if like translators in baseball were as pertinent then as they are now. Uh, um, so you're just adapting sure to, were. yeah, so you're just adapting to a whole new lifestyle. Um, and then he, you know, performed in the manner in which he did um, at the game's greatest level at every level. Uh, he was just uh, an all-around good guy. Um, embraced the nickname Godzilla like none other, uh, and it, it was it was cool to watch. So. All right, so we're both a Deki Matsui Godzilla. Yeah. Hey. I I was surprised. I I kind of expected a, a Brett Gardner 
there no. in that aspect. Yeah, um, I definitely I couldn't pick Brett Gardner. Like I can't I, I at least for my team anyway, I'm not gonna pick the guy that was just like there to be there. Like I don't like we'll see, like when we do the outside the ballpark. I don't I don't know if we'll need stolen bases. I think, you know, Matsui maybe in his prime stole a couple will be all right, but you know, I didn't I didn't watch that Whitey ball. I don't I don't need to steal bases. We need yeah, score right. I hear you. I hear you. All right. So uh this is where it gets juicy for me. Um all right. getting into the Cardinals. So I personally think um, this is the hardest decision that I've had to make at any position for any team so far. Okay. Um, so we'll start with the the four guys that I took. Um, it was Matt Holiday, Ray Langford, Ron Gant, and Marcelo Zuna. Um, the four guys that I listed, I think, are easily the only worth talking about. Um, you could make an argument for swapping out Ron Gant for Sotoguchi. Uh, but Taguchi had his shot in the other corner outfield position. Um, so I was like, eh, I didn't go with him there. So let's give Ron Gant a look for this. Um, Not Albert, the argument I thought you were going to make. This Al- Albert Pujols is also on the list, uh, but he should be known as a first baseman. Um, his brief time in left field was only hidden by his abysmal defensive capability at third uh, when he broke into the league at first when they hadn't found him a home at first base yet. I think we had someone else here at the time. Um, like what I think he was a... Uh, he was a rookie. He was like 2000 or 2001. Uh, so I think there's someone still here. Base? No, uh, at first when he first came up. Uh, so that's why they put him at third. Like he played third base when he first came up. He was terrible there. I think he committed like 11 errors and 40 games at third base his rookie year. Um, and they put stashed him out in left field. That also was terrible. And then he eventually found a home at first base um, as a pretty decent fielder, on, oddly enough. Um, so either way. I feel like Poole should be a first baseman. So even though he was capable of being left field, um, I'm going to use him in the discussion for first base. So I removed him from this list. So with those, so with Taguchi and Pujols being removed, you're kind of left with those four as the only options really left to take. Um, Ron Gant was an easy decision to remove from the list. Uh, his career numbers are pretty decent, but his time in St. Louis really wasn't. Uh, he came off missing all of the strike short in 94 season uh, due to a broken leg, and it never really settled back in. Um, he had, like, career lows in his second season in St. Louis, uh, which led to his playing time taking a huge cut in 98. Um, and then he left after that to go, uh, I forget where. Um, but he, So he left St. Louis after that and just never really took on. Um you also on the list uh, have Cardinal Great and Ray Lankford. Um, I know I dissed him by overlooking him in center field, uh, but to be fair, he only started about 150, 200 more games in center field than left field um, during the time frame we're looking at. So I was like, hey, I'll throw him on the list. We'll see what he's all about. Um, he's among the tops in almost all relevant offensive stats for the Cardinal franchise, uh, including he's the all-time home run leader at old bush at bush two i guess um uh i want to say like when i looked at it he's in the top 10 uh and home run like in all-time home runs he's third stolen bases he's fifth run scored he's eighth rbis he's eighth and walks he's fourth and that's in cardinal franchise history so like pretty pretty good numbers as a cardinal in general um then on the list, you also have uh, the guy that's kind of uh, that was pretty key in revitalizing and the revitalizing factor uh, for the Cardinals of the late 2000s and Matt Halliday. Um, after he came over from Oakland in a steal of a trade, I still think that's one of the most lopsided trades I've ever seen a team make. Um, 
Like, I, I just don't understand how it happened. Um, he was a key part in the 2011 World Series run, plus the four straight NLCS appearances uh, between 2011 and 2014. Um, he was Midwestern-born country boy from Oklahoma. Uh, the Midwestern fan base that's uh, loyal to the roots uh, loved him for it. Um, he gave up number five to allow Pujols to keep his number. Uh, took number seven in honoring Mickey Mantle, who's also from Oklahoma. Um, so he kind of had all of the makeup. That was the definition of the Cardinal way. Um, and then you had the new look Cardinals uh, finally making their big splashes in the trade market and free agency. Uh, brought in guys like Jason Hayward, Dexter Fowler. Um, that didn't really pan out the way they wanted, but they took another chance at landing. Uh, the then 2017 MVP, John Carlos Stanton. Uh, terms were agreed upon. Stanton ultimately blocked the trade before going to the Yankees. Cardinals continued to pursue uh, after Miami said Yellick was off the table, uh, which was the real prize for the Miami team. We um, were getting an outfielder even, from Miami. Even though, he, even though Yellick was off the, tra- off the trade block and then got dealt to Milwaukee later on that offseason, uh, Cardinals came to an agreement with uh middle with the middle of the lineup guy there and Marcelo Zuna. Um, I think expectations were really high and I think that's a large portion of what Marta's time here in St. Louis. Uh partnered with the rising cost of high end talent and as I spoke to earlier, the Cardinals having enough talent in the outfield in their franchise to probably make every team in the NL Central better. Uh it was just ill timing for Azuna to be here. Um he spent some part of the two seasons here in St. Louis hurt. Uh, which limited him only to like 130 games in 2019. Um, but on a seasonal average, so uh, Halliday was here for like seven plus seasons. Langford was here for six plus seasons. And then Ozuna was here for just the two seasons. Um, so on a seasonal average, uh, Halliday hit 21 home runs, 82 RBIs, uh, and batted 288. Langford batted 283, averaged 25 home runs, 83 RBIs. Ozuna a little bit lower with his average. A big part of that was due to 2019. He struggled. I think he only batted like 240, uh, but he hit 262, averaged 25 home runs, and averaged 90 RBIs. So from a numbers production, he was right up there season by season with Halliday and Langford. He just wasn't here as long. Um, as I said, his batting average was down about 40 points from his career average. Um, but after he returned from the DL in August, it started to trend up pretty significantly. And then he put up absolutely stellar numbers in the NLDS against Atlanta. Um, he didn't hit in the NLCS against Washington in 2019, but no one on the Cardinals team hit in the NLCS against Washington. Wah, and that's why they wah, got swept. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> so, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> It's like they just forgot that offense was a part of baseball, and they hey, lost. We scored national. ten runs the game before we started scoring no runs. Okay? Right. Okay. I think they didn't even score ten runs in the four games against Washington. I think they we scored, scored ten, 10 runs, runs in three innings, <laughs> and then for like seven more innings, scored no runs. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so yeah, like Ozuna in in the ALDS, like we were talking about uh, Matsu's performance in the 2009 World Series. But in the 2019 ALDS, like he uh, he batted like over 400. He hit two home runs in Game Four, which is like the winner go home that the Cardinals ended up winning extra innings on Yadi sack fly. Um, but I I think he would have put up huge numbers had he continued to be here in St. Louis. Um, I think that so like like I was looking at his 2019 numbers. 
if he had played in 150 games, like 20 games more than what he did play in, uh, and his numbers stayed the same, he would have hit 33 home runs and put up 103 RBIs. Um, but he batted 324 in the postseason, and that includes over 400 in the ALDS, um, and then likely uh, wasn't re-signed due to cost. He signed the $18 million deal in Atlanta for one year, and with the outfield core being the way it is, riddled with young talent, uh, ready to be in the majors, it likely just wasn't the right time for him. Uh, but I think it's two years here where people look at it as he wasn't very successful, uh, mainly because of what he did in 2017 uh, when he was an all-star, won a gold glove, won a silver slugger, batted 312, hit 37 home runs, and drove in 124 runs. Um, I think that's what everyone anticipated, but he was batting fourth in a lineup in Miami that was behind D. Gordon, Christian Yellick, and Giancarlo Stanton. Um, so he had a lot of guys on in front of him, a lot. And the Cardinals of 2018-2019, I don't think were as good as the Cardinals of the late, you know, 2000s, early 2010s when they went to four straight NLCSs. Um, so with that, um, I think that Lankford likely fed on some pitching that isn't up to par to what pitching is today. Uh, so I kind of removed him. And then I think Halliday had a better team around him, which added to some of his numbers being higher than what it was and his success as a, as a part of the Cardinal franchise being where it was. Um, but I think that out of the three, the best player of those and his numbers will show that, you know, if we look at it, you know, three or four years from now when he's kind of gone through his prime uh, is Marcelo Zuna. And that is who I took as my left fielder for the St. Louis Cardinals. Hey, everyone's entitled to opinion. <laughs> Doesn't mean yours is good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just hating on me. Just hating on me. Yeah, num- and... The numbers speak for themselves, dude. Like, uh... he he raked here. Like, you can say that he didn't hit with a ton of power, but compared to the other guys, on a seasonal average, his numbers were exactly where they needed to be with every other power hitter that's played left field for St. Louis. And he did it in fewer games because of the injuries. So I'm saying, like, yeah. Numbers don't yeah. lie, man. Uh, no, you're agreed. They don't lie. Um, I, I think when it comes to, like, your own personal team, though, like, I th- it's there's a lot more emotion that goes into it. And I'll agree that Marcelo Zuna, I think, was a better player. Where I, where I don't agree with you is that when we say, like, maybe some people held him up on this, like, oh, my God, he's going to be the savior and stuff. I just considered him not the other two players. We got the third outfielder on that team um, be for various reasons, and we didn't get the other two guys, and we just kept swinging for their outfielders, kept swinging for their outfielders. I, we, like you were saying, we weren't that – we probably weren't that great anyway. I would have probably just liked to see – like, if we're not – admit that we're not going to win immediately anyway, and if we do, it's going to be with our outfield and see what they have because – Really, admittedly, Marcelo Azuna probably never makes it to the Cardinals if Oscar Tavares doesn't pass away. Right. Um, so it's it's a timeline and event that oh, or, if, or if Hayward decides to sign here and not yeah. not take a, a deal to go to the Cubs. Right. Yeah. So a handful of things had to lead him to be here, and I did somewhat enjoy Marcelo Azuna being here. But like when you talk about that Cardinal way, like. That's a serious thing in St. Louis, um, whether we like it or not. Um, And him just, like, 
doing his own thing and doing his own rehab and not letting people know what he's doing and getting injured through those things. And kind of like you see reports that no one knows what he's doing and he's not showing up to meetings or he's not responsive. And like, he's supposed to be this guy that like came into St. Louis. He was a locker room guy, which everything I knew, like he was a pretty good locker room guy. Um, but it didn't seem like, or he just didn't like, Hey, I'm injured. My shoulder is injured. I can't play left field very well right now because my shoulder's injured. I can't bat right now very well because my left shoulder's injured. And we just never really got that out of him. He just continued to try to play yeah, through he it. Was, he was it playing really for that showed. contract. Yeah. He was he was on a one, mm-hmm. like he agreed to like a one-year deal when he got in here. He's still in that arbitration eligibility. He, they agreed to a one-year deal for 2019. And so he's it was a contract year. And it's like he, it, it's very real like for him to be, I think he's like, 27 i think he turns 28 later like he would turn 28 like this summer or something like that so this is his prime like this is when he's supposed to get paid um and really i mean he passed up the qualifying offer which i think was like 17.8 million to sign a one-year deal in atlanta for 18 million and i think the writing was just on the wall that like he wasn't going to have a spot to play like, do you do you think the atlanta braves signed him past this year well, um, say I, the season played. Say the season was going on like normal. Do you think Marcelo Zuna makes the 2021 Atlanta Braves? So the so where where it's an unknown for me is I'm not familiar enough to know with like what else they have in the organization. What yeah. I will say, what I will say is that I think that there's no doubt in my mind that after this season, Marcelo Zuna signed. Assuming it played as normal, he signed a multi-year deal somewhere. Yeah. Um, I don't foresee him being a Mike Moustakis that just ends up going year to year for a couple years. Um, I think that the luck, like the the success that Josh Donaldson saw in Atlanta with his one year contract, uh, had a lot to do with why Atlanta was willing to offer that. Um, and I want to say now, like Donaldson signed uh, with Minnesota, but I forget how long the deal was. Um, let me see if I can find this real quick. Um, I think four years sounds right. Yeah, so he signed a four-year, $84 million deal with the Twins, and he's 34 years old. So the the Braves took a chance on him as a 33, uh, 33-year-old third baseman, and it worked out pretty well for him, and he turned it into a fat deal that there's a, um, I think that there's a team option, yeah, club option for 2024, uh, so it could be a five-year deal, um, and he would become a free agent now when he's 39. Ozuna will be 28 when he hits free agency again, um, and I think that if he puts up the type of numbers that he can, and with the lineup in Atlanta that they have, because I think they are a pretty good team, I don't think it's a fluke that they went to the ALDS. Yep. They just fell apart Agreed. against the Cardinals. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so I think he could perform there if he stays healthy. Um, and with that being said, like he could easily turn it into probably not like a Harper or Mike Trout-esque deal, but I could see him getting something like what Donaldson signed, like a five, six-year deal for $120 million somewhere. Um, you know, uh, especially with the the possibility that the universal DH is on the horizon. And so there will be 30 teams vying for him. Um, but I could totally see him sign him with an AL team somewhere. Uh, just to rake. Like, I think he would be a good fit for like the Astros. 
Um, I don't know like what Brantley's contract looks like or like Reddick, some of those guys that they have as kind of like the plethora of outfielders that they go through. Um, but I, I think that there will be an opportunity for him and he will sign a big deal and be very successful. That's so like, I think if we look at this, you know, after whatever next contract he signs, like say it's a four or five year deal. If we look at his two years here, the one year he spent in Atlanta and then wherever he is, you know, for this next four or five year deal, I think that his numbers overall will look very similar to like what you got out of holiday over a seven year period of time. Um, he just didn't do it the, the quote unquote Cardinal way. Um, uh, and that, that's and ultimately, so that's ultimately I why I went disagree with, him, with your standpoint. Where I somewhat disagree with you is that, so we already said Marcelo Zuna was raking behind people that hit the ball. And then he comes to St. Louis. He does not, he hits, he hits good, but he doesn't hit to what he was hitting. Now he goes to the, the Atlanta Braves, where I agree they are a really good team. They have really good offense behind them. Mm-hmm. So is this one year also going to be just another year in like Miami? And then he goes to a team that is willing to pay him a boatload of money because he does really well, and he's the guy there, and can he sustain that long term? Like He hasn't proven it yet, so I'm not willing to do it. I mean, I guess it depends on what you mean by proving it. I mean, he yeah. he started playing like as breaking an every. Um, am I still breaking up? Uh, not anymore. Okay, I'll say. Uh, so he was like an everyday starter for four years in Miami. Um, he like he batted in like that two seventy, like two sixty two seventy range. Other than the other than two thousand seventeen when he hit three twelve. Um, but Miami was abysmal really before then, but he's been a 20 home run type guy, you know, 85 RBI type guy. Um, and there just wasn't much in Miami. Like they were shit. Like they still are like other than their one through four hitters in 2017, um, how they've managed to win two world series rings. I, I don't know. Like it baffles me to this day. Um, but I mean, like in, in his seven year career, like over 162 game average, like he's a 270 hitter. Um, he's hitting 26 home runs, 94 RBIs. Like those to me are are sal- are pretty solid numbers. Um, when you think of it, like over the 11 years, everyone always talked about Pujols with his 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, and those numbers aren't far off from that. Over seven years, and Pujols did it on a much better team because the Cardinals of that era are, were significantly better than anything that Miami's even come close to sniffing since 2013 and definitely what, you know, were better than what the Cardinals had in each of the last two seasons. So I think he did it without a ton of support. Granted, there's that one year and that's why I don't think he's going to get the trout slash Harper type numbers, but I think he could sign a $20 million deal somewhere as being a, you know, centerpiece of a power hitter in a, in a lineup somewhere. He's going to be able to DH for you. He's not going to kill you in the outfield. Um, it would be similar to like what Stanton can do. Like, and I, I think that's, and I think he's better defensively than what Stanton is. Um, and he won't come with the price tag that Stanton has. Hey, we'll, we shall see, but to wrap it up. So I, as with all other Cardinals players so far, um, we've really went to, I grew up in a pretty magical time of Cardinals baseball. Uh, and so uh, I'm going to pick Matt holiday here. Uh, I think it's an Ooh. easy decision for myself. I was, uh, really, I was honestly surprised. I didn't know if you would go the way of Lankford or Holiday here. Oh, I super feel bad to not put Ray Lankford in my outfield at all. Like, 
as nostalgia goes but really i also take a look at it and go if i would have extended it out past 95 we would have been looking at much different guys um, right like if we went then, like to early like to 90 yeah. or something like that where you got all yeah. of langford's time here in st louis uh and so in matt holiday to me like when growing up watching the cardinals like multiple years in a row the cardinals are linked to get matt holiday where hey we're gonna get him this year oh hey we're talking about matt holiday Ooh, matt holiday he's killing it over uh the rockies uh oh we're gonna get that guy that's our guy and then he gets traded to the oakland a's and we're like okay well we just had made an offer for him and we didn't get him and then he goes to the a's and then a year later he ends up on our team yeah um, insider trading no yeah, so do you know, do you know who Nolan became his Arenado, hitting coach? If Nolan who... Arenado also gets traded to the Oakland A's, we know history is on our side. Well, there's two there's two key factors that no longer exist in the Cardinal organization that are a big deal on why him going to Oakland made it easier to get him. So A, Tony LaRusa had good connections right. with the A's and he was the manager for the Cardinals at the time when yep. he came over. Um, but also, so after he left Colorado and he went to Oakland, he started working with a new person to be his hitting coach uh, in like the 08 to 09 offseason, I think is when it was. Because uh, I want to say, I think it was like 2009 that he went to Oakland and then came to St. Louis. Um, but that player was uh, a man by the name of Mark McGuire, um, mm-hmm. who then mm-hmm. became the Cardinals hitting coach the following season. Um, and then that same season is when he got traded from, like he went to Oakland and that off season, he was working with McGuire. McGuire became the hitting coach the year after and, uh, holiday had come to the Cardinals that like at that trade deadline, uh, for next to nothing. Yeah. Um, I also Definitely think that nothing, I, I, they granted they gave up Brett Wallace, who was like a big prospect at the time. Yeah, he played um, six but, years. Yeah. Like, but he, he like amounted to nothing. Yeah. He amounted right, yeah. to nothing. Uh, but it was pretty highly touted uh, at the time they Dude, traded the him. Cardinals, it just didn't the Cardinals got $1.5 million and Matt Holiday. Yeah. Um, so I was just going to say something. Oh, um, so I also think that there was something to be said about Holiday's time in Oakland. Um, so after Holiday left St. Louis, he signed the one-year deal with New York, the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Um, and in his contract, he had a very odd no trade clause. Um, he only blocked a trade to one team, and it was the Oakland A's. <laughs> nice. So when he signed with the Yankees, he only could like the only team he couldn't be traded to by the Yankees in that year was the Oakland A's. So I think that there was also something going on there that he was just super unhappy. Um, uh, Arenado, well, I agree, could certainly be a St. Louis Cardinal in the very near future, um, but. I I think that that'll likely not happen, um, and I think Definitely that not anymore. The way the money, like the Cardinals are already like yeah. pretty tight with that pocketbook, and now like oh we yeah. might be playing some players <laughs> so, in like so it I might think, be a while before we break over the checkbook. Yeah, so I think the the difference would be so I I felt like when everyone was talking about Arenado getting the Cardinals in this last off season, um, like before spring training started up or anything like that, I was I was of the mindset that it made no sense to go get him. Um, he was obviously super unhappy. He has the ability to opt out of his contract after the season. And if you're going to trade for him, it's going to be dependent on needing to re-sign him. And you don't necessarily know how it's going to work out. You don't want to give up a bunch for him because they were, they were talking about giving up some pretty good pitching prospects for him. Um, you're, there's a strong possibility that 
uh, Arenado would have opted out after the 2020 season. Now with everything COVID-19, who knows what that looks like because who knows really what happens with free agency serve times and contract options and stuff like that. So I don't really know what it'll look like now, so it's all kind of messy. Um, so that could play a part for sure. But I think for them giving up, because I, I think Libertor is going to be a stud. Um, I, I liked him, you know, with the brief time that he pitched in Tampa Bay um, and being familiar with it just because they're in the Yankees division. I think he has the ability to be really good. Um, and I'm pretty high on Dakota Hudson. So I think them trading him would be a falter. Um, I think he's going to slide in to be a nice little number two behind Flaherty. Um, and the Cardinals are the makings of pretty dynamic pitching staff. Uh, I think it could resemble like the mid nineties Braves when they had like Smoltz, Glavin, Maddox, Avery, uh, those guys uh, dealing all the time. Um, so I, I think it, it'll work out better that the Cardinals didn't, didn't get Arenado at this point with what they would have given up for him. So, but uh, we, we can we can save that for a different time. I would also agree with that only because I like Tommy Edmond so much. I totally disagreed with as much playing time that Tommy Edmond got when he was getting in. I'm totally like, like we have 20 outfielders. Why is Tommy Edmond playing outfield? He is not an outfielder. Uh, but I de- can definitely see we got some love for Tommy Edmond going on now. Yeah, I, I think I think the Cardinals are, are in a good spot. I, I was excited to see what the team did this year. I think they did kind of the right thing and holding like holding Pat. They didn't bring back Ozuna. They were seemingly finally going to make the decision to let the kids play, uh, something they haven't done of recent um, because Matheny was just so terrible with them. Um but uh, yeah, I, I, I was I was excited to kind of see what the Cardinals did with, hey. with this season and COVID nineteen after that up. So I mean, what else are you gonna do? Their AAA coach is now their actual coach. Like, yeah. if you're gonna get anything out of them now, you got to get it. And I would also I want to make one more note about Holiday, and then I'm over. And then I uh, sorry, two more notes. Cool. So I think the other take on this, which so I thought the route you were going to go, uh, and I'm just I'm so glad you picked the purest Albert Pujols route possible was that left fielders don't like defensively need to be that good. You already got Jim Edmonds in center field. Like how good would you need Albert Pujols to be in left field? Because then you could platoon Albert Pujols in left field and Mark McGuire at first base. But I'm super happy that we didn't have to even talk about that, right? Because I would agree that Albert Pujols at any other position at first base is completely and utterly disrespectful to the man. And I, and I will say, like, I am an avid Albert Pujols disliker. I don't want to say I hate him. Um, I felt like he was touted up to be something that he is not. Um, he was absolutely amazing for the 11 years that he played in St. Louis. Um, he was a stud, no doubt about it. But for people to consider him to be one of the, like, the greatest hitter to ever play the game, and all this when he had only gone through half of his career, and then the drop-off that has existed in his time frame in L.A. that now no one has even made come close to making the association that he's the best hitter to ever play the game. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see that realization. It would have felt better to me to watch it happen in a Cardinals uniform, um, but I think the Cardinals made the right decision in not bringing him back. From a business stance, I think from a franchise stance that Albert Pujols definitely shouldn't have played for any other team other than the St. Louis Cardinals uh, for what he meant to this franchise. But the business decision won out, and it was probably the right decision in the long haul. However, the Cardinals also haven't won a World Series since he left. Um, but neither has Pujols. So maybe it was just destined that they should have been together. Um, and who knows? Maybe if there's a universal DH... You might see him come back for a year to, you know, 
retire in a Cardinal uniform or something. Because uh, he's not absolutely useless. He's just not Dalbert Pools that wore Cardinal uniform for 11 years. So. Yeah, pretty much way over it. If he never played another game in a Cardinals uniform, <laughs> wouldn't care about it anymore. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed his 10 years here. I would be on the bandwagon of one of the best baseball players I've ever seen my entire life. Um, I, I would agree with that. He's definitely one of the baseball. better. Yeah, definitely one uh, of the better players I've ever seen play for sure. I've actually met him a couple times because uh, I worked at the Chesterfield Best Buy and I actually met a lot of sports players up there. And Pujols is like one of the nicest people you've ever met in real life. Like, I, like one time I literally like someone asked him in the store, like, hey, man, I saw you got hit by that pitch the other day. Are you doing all right? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Do you want to see the bruise? And just, like, lifted up the back of his shirt and was showing everyone in the store this bruise he had from getting hit by a fastball. Um, and just you don't see that out of a lot of guys. Um, and then, yeah, just really would have meant here. I mean, we can say all we want to about, like, oh, you know, like 30 home runs in 10 years. But, like, the guy was just the consistent. You knew what you were going to get every day. Uh, leader of the club. Um yeah, I no, I always like equated him. Though. Yeah, I I always equated Pujols like Pujols was to St. Louis fans as what Derek Jeter was to Yankees fans, and Derek Jeter was just like the the lifeblood that brought me into baseball. Like I so many times I was Derek Jeter in as a child, you know, as a you know young twelve thirteen year old watching baseball for the first time, just rooting for the Yankees. Uh, that's what my dad's family rooted for. A cousin that was a Yankees fan. Like that's just what I did. And then they won a whole bunch. So that helped too. Um, and then I just fell in love with the lore, the Yankee mystique, if you will. Um, so that's what I always equated Pujols to when I tried to understand why everyone rooted for him and said the things they did about him. Um, with that being said, like the Yankees could have paid Jeter whatever he wanted, and I never would have been mad. The only way I would have been mad is if Derek Jeter ever played a baseball game in another uniform that wasn't a Yankee uniform, uh, unless he's like representing Team USA at a World Baseball Classic or something like that. Uh, so that's what I thought Pools meant to everyone else, and everyone was real quick to be like, "Nah, f that dude." Whenever he mm-hmm. went to LA, um, and I mean, obviously not not everybody. Not everyone, and... cause, yeah, we didn't say f that dude. Like we still give him standing ovations, like. We give him yeah, all that, but now, also like the huge now, but talk what, around that. But what would have happened if he came back to St. Louis the following year, dude, not nine BF, years later? Dude, you know, we're the BFIB. We give standing ovation to people like Albert Pujols. Yeah, they also they back. also boo Bryce Harper for no reason. So dude, Bryce Harper is a little bitch and deserves to be booed. So how about that? <laughs> like, yeah, how about that? yeah you heard you heard it first from the BFIB. Yeah, pretty much. Bryce Harper's a little bitch for no reason. A yeah. uh, huge <laughs> bitch, man. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> Like, he's one of the most overrated players in baseball. Do we want to talk about, yeah, yeah. oh, I can hit a couple home runs and I'm the pretty boy and I can go on Twitter. How is he overrated? I hit hit 246 every year and uh, I'm just not a very good baseball player. So that's what I feel like. Wow. Wow. The hatred for Bryce Harper. Totally not worth Dude, he's LeBron James to me, dude. LeBron James fucking ate up ESPN forever with his, well, where am I going to go? Yeah, I mean. Bryce Harper, oh, my God, what's this $300 million contract Bryce Harper is going to get? Like, dude, I don't really care about Bryce Harper. I just eh, doesn't yeah, matter to I... me. Because you know what? He's never going to live up to a $300 million contract. There's just no way he can live up to a $300 million contract. So, I, don't I, know. I mean, I guess well, it just, just – I guess it depends on, like, what you think. Philly. 
You get, dude, in a three hundred million dollar contract, you're bringing rings to the team. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I would not be surprised if the Phillies don't win some rings. They just need to get some pitching. That offense is disgusting, dude. Like they're they're pretty stacked. Like as I, soon as they trade Bryce Harper, just like the Washington <laughs> they'll, they'll get a ring. They'll they'll win a ring. <laughs> that's so. that's the key. That's the key. Trade Bryce Harper, you win a ring. Um, get a ring. Yeah, like, I I don't know how much you look at other teams. I I know we haven't had much to talk about them because there's not really baseball going on, and we kind of got started after uh, everything started. But dude, like their their depth chart, like Real Muto top catcher like a, a really good catcher in the league reese hawkins good first baseman uh they got uh gene segura at second um they have scott Kingery to play third or josh harrison they just went and added dd gregorius to play shortstop uh they got mccutcheon and harper out in the outfield and then they have a couple of younger guys uh like roman quinn uh mikey matuk uh will probably break into the majors at some point soon um the, like they just they 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 got some depth it's just their pitching is so bad like they now they, they got better um like they still have arietta and nola but then they added zach wheeler this offseason i i the the phillies are going to be much better than 81 and 81 whenever everything opens back up um as long as their bullpen's not terrible um that's really where i think they need to add is uh closer and uh really like a setup guy if they could get like a good back end of a bullpen they'd be in good shape um, let's see what uh bryce harper let's see where uh let's see he's batting oh dude in 2020 right now simulated <laughs> outside the ball, ballpark 21 not sponsored he's batting a cool 199 what there's no way that's accurate with 60 that... strikeouts Dude, that's runs. busted. That's and busted. And he's hitting 19 he's, RBIs. There, there's no way through 60 games he only has 19 RBIs. Hey, that's horseshit. He's played. He's game started. He started 58 games. Yeah. Played appearances 246. Yeah, it's like uh, that's that's pretty much every game has, that the Phillies would have played so far. He has 40 hits. Yeah, there's there's no way Bryce Harper's ever going to bat below the Mendoza line. Like they they can simulate out all they want, but that's busted. Um, I would say that Harper doesn't hit for a high average for sure. I mean, he's probably like a 270 hitter. Um, I think like he's probably batting like I like if I had to guess, it'd be somewhere between like depending on how much room you want to get. I would be willing to say somewhere between like 270, 280 as a career hitter. It might be closer to 260. It's so like maybe 260 to 280 might be better. Um, but like I I know he's a 30 plus home run guy. Uh, he's gonna drive in you know 90 to 120 RBIs a season. Like he's he's gonna produce. Like he's gonna perform. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Like I have no. He is not Mike Trout. Like he's never gonna put up Mike Trout esque numbers. Um, but you know Mike Trout's one of a kind. So like mm -hmm. Bryce Harper would be one of the best players in the league if Mike Trout wasn't in the majors. I mean, Mike Trout's batting 290 with 17 homers. And yeah, because Mike games. Trout's a stud. Like, Mike Trout is, hands down, the best player Who, in Major League Baseball just, right now. Okay, before we wrap up, just give me one player from the Yankees right now, and we'll see how close you think their stats are to their simulated stats. <laughs> one player one for player. the Yankees. You pick them. You pick oh, man. So, them. I guess, so I guess my question would be, all right, so let's go with someone that I know is okay. healthy. Let's yeah. go with someone that I know is healthy. So let's go with Glaber Torres. All right, all right, all right. Your boy, your boy, Glaber. Um, 
I'm gonna say he's batting. Do I like? Do I have to just like guess a number, or do I get like a leeway? Uh, you know, I mean, as long as you're close to, I'm cool. All with right, that. Just, I'll yeah. I'll say he's batting in the two seventies. Okay. So like I I'll, I'll guess like for an exact number, I'll say he's batting two seventy seven. Um, I think the Yankees at this point probably are right around that same sixty game mark. So I'll say he's got. 33 RBIs and eight home runs. He, your boy Glaber Torres, because it's on his page again. Dude, so I think we're going to have to take back the there's no way Bryce Harper can ever hit the simulated stats because you're going to want these stats because uh, Glaber Torres is playing a video game so far in 2020. He's batting 306. Oh, with, nice. With, with 18 home runs. Holy shit. <laughs> 50 RBIs. Oh, dude, if if Torres does that, yeah, and and that's why I don't know if like the season simulated because if that's happening, then that's in a lineup without no. Hicks, Judge, and Stanton. No, dude, the season's totally simulated. I'll send you all this afterwards. But the Yankees are in first place in their division. How oh, yeah, six and twenty-five. They're three and a half games up on the race. That's accurate. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals are seven games up in the NL Central. That's probably also accurate. Yeah, thirty-nine. The the Pittsburgh Pirates are second. The Reds are fouled closely behind. The Brewers are fourth, and the Cubs are last. Uh, I don't think that that'll be accurate. Although the Pirates are pretty good, they got like Brian Reynolds as like a a, a young up and coming outfielder. Um, and then I I do think the Reds will be significantly better this year than what they were last year. Uh, but I don't think they'll be that good. I do think the Pirates will will bring up the the rear in the in the NL Central. Dude, right. But I think it'll be a four-team race pretty much all year. I think that L Central would have been a lot of fun to watch this year. Dude, Tommy Edmond right now batting 335, Colton Wong 293, Paul Goldschmidt 290, Harrison Bader 283, Paul DeYoung 276, Matt Carpenter 257, your boy Brad Miller 252, dude. Brad Miller's playing this year, apparently. <laughs> I love how I love how you sent me. We probably need to try to wrap up, and then we just went on this tangent. Yeah, we let's wrap up. Let's uh, yeah. wrap up the interleague. So we, we so we ran a little longer. We had an unexpected. Let's get in to look at some stuff. We, I didn't know that the simulation stuff was going on until Chris brought it up. So maybe we'll incorporate a little bit of that at the early on. Um, and we did talk about uh, just some other stuff going on in the the status update. So hopefully we can bring some more positive news. Uh, check out the Bradford Doolittle article on ESPN. It's a very interesting read if you're just a sports fan in general or just into baseball. Uh, the comparisons and some of the educational side of stuff uh, is pretty awesome, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Hideki Matsui in left field for the Yankees for both of us. Uh, Chris took the easy out of Matt Holliday. Hopefully there's no moths that play during our simulations otherwise he will end up on the dl mm-hmm. um and i went with marcel ozuna uh the most underrated left fielder in the history of the san Luis cardinals marcel ozuna right now <laughs> for the atlanta braves is batting probably like cool. one 180 <laughs> <laughs> no 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 he's got 14 home runs and he's batting 267 so see there you go that yeah. that's exactly the type of numbers that i'd expect to see he's gonna hit around 30 home runs he'll probably yeah. put up around 100 rbis and he's gonna bat 260 270 and then if, he's gonna if, get if, traded to the royals and he's gonna go in baseball purgatory the rest of his life so. yeah no, he's going to sign a fat deal with the Houston Astros, and then he's going to blow up because he's going to yeah. know what pitches are coming. And he's going to cheat his way to the top. Yeah, or he'll sign with, like, the Red Sox. 
I could see that being another spot that he goes. Yeah, dude. Oh, I hope. I actually now hope he signs with the Red Sox. That way, when we look back at your All Star team, you have a current Boston Red Sox player on your team. Yeah. We'll never be able to live it down. It happens. But all right. So this one ran a little long. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, theinterleague at gmail.com or at theinterleague on the Twitters. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, I know personally, uh, my cousin has uh, done his own little exercise of an all wildcard era team. I'm trying to, to get him to reach out and share some stuff. Uh, his thoughts on his picks. Uh, maybe keep it to just the outfield that we've done so far. Not to spoil anything. Um, but yeah, so if you wanna if you wanna share your thoughts about what you know questions you have for us or you know who you would have picked, uh, you know the rules. Play along, and uh, we'll we'll catch you next time. I don't know you got anything to add, Chris. At what what position are we doing next week? Uh, next week we will be doing shortstop, moving into the infield, uh, position number six, position number six in your scorebooks. Oh yeah, so we're pretty much going to be talking about Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter episode next week. Tune in. Peace. I'll, I will try to keep it short. Love yeah. you guys. Yeah right.